The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today we are joined by professional dancer, choreographer, and dancing with the stars legend Val Smirkovsky. <laughs> Did I do it okay or no? We'll keep it. Shmirkovsky. Shmirkovsky. Yeah. Oh, we're keeping this whole thing in because we're doing this right. <laughs> okay. One more time for the people. Let's hear it. Val. Val Shmirkovsky. Shmirkovsky. Okay, yeah. we got it. There you go. We practiced that before, guys. We're giving you a little behind the scenes. Have accomplished all that he could in the world of competitive dance. 14-time U.S. national champion, two-time world dance champion, Vale quickly rose to stardom after joining the show's cast in 2011. Since his TV debut, the dance champion continues to be a fan favorite both on and off the dance floor. Vale continues to expand his talents as a dancer, choreographer, in addition to co-founding Dance With Me Studios, one of the nation's leading Latin and ballroom dance studios, where he also lends his experience as the venue's art director. He has also developed Dance With Me Juniors, a program designed to help keep kids healthy, focused, and active in their communities. Today, we're going to discuss all things, the world of professional dance, balancing the life on Dancing With The Stars and his family, and how he has turned his fame into various other lucrative business endeavors. Val, thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you. God, that was a mouthful. Was that was that was yeah, an introduction I, right there, dude? I really appreciate that. You that, feel does that? You feel good after that? Yeah, <laughs> I want to stand up straight after that. I, just... <laughs> I mean, the, but these accomplishments are pretty wild, right? Like you've participated in eighteen season, first place in season twenty and season twenty three. You've come in second place in season sixteen and just this past season, third place in season nineteen and season twenty two, season twenty four. When you hear this stuff because sometimes on a day-to-day basis you're just grinding when you start to like hear all these numbers u.s national champion all this stuff did you ever anticipate that you would have accomplished from a resume standpoint in the world of dance what you've accomplished at your age yeah so this was always the vision i mean it wasn't a a clear vision just because there was never a blueprint it's a very unique thing that i was able to build a life that i've built through the vehicle of competitive ballroom dancing like what is that yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and why am I doing that? So it's a very kind of niche thing. And and that's why, you know, I, I preach my love for this country and the opportunity that it gave me and my family to realize my potential in the most unique kind of way, way there was, you know, so and, and a lot of luck involved along the way as well. So looking back at those things, I'm I'm grateful for all of those times and those opportunities to accomplish those things. That's amazing. Some when- people don't even have a chance to yeah accomplish things right. you know for whatever reason so i guess the feeling is more gratitude and also you know it's like my trophies they ask like dancing with the stars trophies where do you keep them i don't even one i don't even know where it is to be honest <laughs> and then the other one is like in a guest room somewhere interesting you know because for me it's it's less about celebrating those wins and more about you know celebrating the level and the quality that I had to be as a performer, as a dancer, or as a student, whatever it is that accomplishment was, I had to be a certain quality to have accomplished that. And, and I'm proud of that because there's a lot of really great dancers out there. So if I was able to be first in that competition, that means, you know, I brought something to the table. Yeah, there's so many people we have that have this niche skill set that come on. I would think that they're motivated by 
the rewards, by the accolades, or by the money. And almost all the people that have exceeded this like outlying expectation aren't. And I mean, it's probably just a sexy thing to say as well. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. want to be like, that's all I ever wanted. That's true. Well, some people <laughs> come on, they're like, all I give a yeah. shit about is money, and that yeah. is it. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing, too, about the money is I heard those Dancing with the Stars, those trophies are like 10 to 15K, I heard. Have you ever heard really? that? Yeah, I heard they cost like 10 to 15K each. Guys, We're stay gonna tuned. We're going to have to the, audit that. Yeah, you're going to audit that. Let me know what you hear. I'm going to do a ton more research in the recap. We're going to address it. One thing you talked about is that this career is not a blueprint. If someone is listening to this and they are a dancer, or someone is listening to this who is mm. a parent of a child who is a dancer, mm. what does that professional outlook look like? Obviously, you've done it. But for the majority that say, I'm going to be a professional dancer, what does that look like? What career options are there? First of all, it's a life of a lot of risk and love. I love to dance. You know, it's not just a vehicle for me to make money. It's it's a vehicle for me to realize my potential in, in at least in this in this arena, which is dance and, and performance. It's a dream job. Like this season, you know, speaking of Gabby and, and this season and the ride that we had, uh, making it all the way, like there were times where I couldn't believe that I'm getting paid for this. You know, I, sh I should be paying people to be able to collaborate with a, a really talented young woman, to be able to get it on camera and in the process create content that, you know, makes people happy at home all around the world. And then every Monday I have the most talented production team. I get to enjoy that. Like not a lot of dancers or performers or anybody really get a chance to live that type of work week you know, for which I get really handsomely compensated as well, you know? Yeah. So it's truly a dream job that I appreciate regardless of all those things, because there's, you know, the iceberg below this tip, like this is, I wouldn't say that this is the tipping point for my career, but it's really up there. But underneath all of that is jobs I did for free, you know, dancing in restaurants when I was like 12, 13 years old for like 20 bucks, you know, teaching like 14 hours a day every day, you know, for 20 yeah. bucks an hour. Like th there's a huge grind that, that led up to this privilege that I enjoy now being on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, so be, it sounds like being on Dancing with the Stars, like you said, is like kind of the pinnacle of being a professional dancer. But behind that, the way that you can monetize in per dancing is, mm -hmm. is doing some type of performances. Mm -hmm. I would imagine like touring with an artist is something yeah. and then like landing like a Broadway gig. Are, are those yeah. kind of like the main ways that if you really want to actually make it in this without having the luxury and opportunity to be at the top, those are the ways you, you would drive income? Uh, th those are uh, some of the major kind of revenue streams and platforms you can, you know, take your dance profession into. Okay. I try to capitalize on all of those lanes. Yeah. Now there's a new lane which is disrupting all businesses, which is social media. You could have a dancer that wasn't able to make those things work, yeah. that is now making a, a living, you know, producing content for, for this device and, and is realizing his dance, his or her dance potential. That and is, capitalizing on yeah i mean the whole TikTok scene with the dancing and to see yeah. some of these people taking off and then you see the dollars behind it yeah what's I, unique is we had fred astaire's and ginger rogers and like the famous dancers i you know obviously dance has always been big in in, in american entertainment like when you said you, you could also dance for an artist that is a venue dancing with the stars is, is so unique that it also you know we we are the dancer and the artist 
So when we go on tour, like Caitlin went on tour, mm -hmm. she hosted a dance tour. That is also very unique. So it's a, it's a great kind of time for dance. And I'm proud of that. But again, my journey throughout wasn't me like, I want to be a dancer. It's, it's, it starts with like, I want to do whatever it takes to be successful in this country because my, I'm, I'm watching my parents work their butt off, yeah. you know, to give me these opportunities. So I, I was very aware at a very young age how much my dance lesson cost and what my parents had to give up to pay that. And so in that class, that already drove me to, to produce effort and go places that maybe other kids weren't willing to go. I've talked about it a little on this podcast. Like, so I grew up playing hockey, right? Mm -hmm. And I was talking about these days, hockey sticks are like three, 400 bucks. And I kind of got behind the cost of that sport and how crazy it is. One thing I have no idea about is if someone does have a kid that's getting a dance, what are those price points? Like to pay for lessons and to really be trained well, like what is the cost of getting into dance if you're younger? Yeah, it's expensive. It's tennis, yeah. golf, you know, yeah. there are costumes you got to pay for. There's shoes and entry fees and, you know, a lot of, major competitions are in Europe. That was the, the big kind of tipping point for, for my career is that my parents being immigrants in Brooklyn without really any money, found money to send me to Germany for the German Open Championship, where instead of like three couples that I was competing against here in America, there there's like 600 couples from all over Europe, all over the world competing for this really prestigious trophy. And so I, was exposed to the best in the world. That allowed me to go back home and train, not for the, for the challenge around me, but the challenge that I, you know, that I saw overseas. Again, now social media changes that in a sense that you can see some of the best around the world from sitting, yeah, sitting at home. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, you had to really make the effort to go and see what that looks like. And what, then, what age was that that they sent you out? 12. 12 years old yeah, you're going out to Germany old. to compete at that level. Yeah. Wow. That's 11 years old was the first time I competed against Mark Ballas. Get out of at here. At the U.S. Open, yeah. And he was representing England. He was this British champion, little kid, yeah. you know. And I was this kid from Brooklyn with, with my you know, partner. And we met at the U.S. Open. And who won that battle? With your 14 uh, U.S. titles. I, I had to imagine you won that I one. I did. <laughs> And he was second, and he came in as the British, which is the most prestigious competition we have in the world. He had just won that. This is like the Wimbledon of, of ballroom dancing. So now fast forward to when he won Dancing with the Stars and we were second. <laughs> that was a really- Full circle for, ball. Oh yeah, huge circle. We have many circles like that. Of the pros that are on Dancing with the Stars, how many of them did you either compete or like know about them as professional dancers before you- Many, many, really? Artem. So in regards to Caitlin, Autumn yeah. is someone that I had known since I was like 18, competed against since I was like 19. Okay. You know, which is a long time ago. Okay. So 2011. Gleb, everybody, Gleb, like really a lot, a lot of kids. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So it's a small it's circle. It's a very small circle. Of the people who are like at the premier level, you, whether you're coming from across the seas, you're in mm -hmm. the States, you guys kind of know each other. Yeah. And have an idea of like who the who is in this yeah. up and coming. I, I know Artem before he even moved to the States type or Gleb. Yeah. Gleb competed from Hong Kong. I, I've known him before he even moved to, to the United States. That is fascinating. It's right. from the circuit of dance. It's, yeah. Like I said, it's, very, it's a very small world. And the fact that we had this opportunity that there was a reality show based around forum dancers being paired up with celebrities, that changed 
kind of a lot of lives in the dance business. Yeah. Do you think Dancing with the Stars, like the producers and the production and the people that are running the show, are they almost looking at who are the next 10, 12, 14, 16 year old like elites across the country? Or do you think they're like, eh, those guys will cross the bridge when they get here? Yeah, I don't think they, they reach as far back as 14. You know, okay. the, it's hard to bet on a show in Hollywood. You know, like point. we got X amount of seasons. Good. Let's <laughs> let's worry yeah. about those seasons. Let's, let's get renewed. Yeah. Let's yeah, take yeah, the yeah. next one. <laughs> but I send a lot of, you know, because when the show is over, I'm still in the dance space. There are a lot of dancers that I come across that I'm like, yo, Dancing with the Stars, check her out or check him out. They would be amazing. Or, you know, a couple from Europe that's moving to the States. You know, and be like, yo, they'd be great on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not, I'm not stingy with my, my part on the show. I want Dancing with the Stars to be successful with or without me. Yep. You know, I think it's an important show for dance as a whole. Yeah, I love that. How did Dancing with the Stars find you? 2011, what was that journey like? So my, I have an older brother, Max. Yep. And he joined the show season two, way before I joined. Right. And, you know, he kind of really quickly made a name for himself. How did he get found? He was the top professional dancer in the United States. Wow. Yeah. And they asked him for season one and he turned it down. How come? We are proud, committed athletes and artists to to our craft. And for us to sell out and move to babysit celebrities on a reality show in Hollywood was just not something that was interesting to us at all. Interesting. You know, it's that's crazy. that's the mentality. Yeah, you know? it's so fascinating uh, to hear that versus like, of course, your appreciation today. Today, you're like, I feel like I'm at yeah, the highest point and how that's course. changed. Yeah, of course. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 growth. That's growth. At that moment, that's how we felt. That's how he felt. And, you know, and then season one, it was kind of like a pilot season. It was only six episodes. It aired and it you know, got the ratings that it got. Evander Holyfield did, did the Foxtrot. People have never seen this type of, you know, it's, it was novelty television in a way, but also wrapped up in a kind of beautiful, like human experience that people just love to see. And it exploded, you know, and, and season two, thankfully they approached him again. And again, he said, no. And this time we were all like, bro, you gotta go. You like, know, you give gotta, it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. And if, yeah. if, if it's not for you, then you could always come back and continue to do what you do. And he was 25 and he moved out and that's it. It kind of changed his life, our life in the process. When you saw him go on the show and have success with it, at that point for you, was it like always a target? I got to get on Dancing with the Stars? Not really still, you know, because again, the the pride. (laughs) So it still was there though. That pride that even though the show was like season three, season four, season five, it's now getting established. It's now getting millions of views. It's it's, now compensating dancers in a way that they've never been compensated before. It's now putting them on the front of People magazine. And you still at this point. And I'm still like, bro, I'm not even interested in that. That's a beautiful thing that I can enjoy vicariously through my brother. Interesting. You know, and cool. And I flew out. I performed actually a few times because, you know, it's a new space and now it's discovery. And now there's a new, new guy, you know, season two is this, you know, Max, this, you know, what is this accent and what is this ego? And then they did a piece on him and they realized he has a kid's dance studio, ballroom dance studio in New Jersey. He has a younger brother, Val, who's, you know, a champion. And then there's like 15 year old, 14, 12 year old kids, you know, and, and, they did a story on us and we came out to the show and we performed and it kind of blew people's mind because 
they also saw Borum dancing on on smaller bodies and yeah. smaller kids. They're like, oh my God, kids kids can do this. And, and, you know, it kind of exposed me to the show and the show to me. And I guess that was the first recruitment, I think, the show <laughs> did. Got it. Was and a few story. years later, yeah, the few years later, Derek joined the show. Mark joined the show. Julianne show. Now, these are more my peers. You know, these are now my brother's peers. Now, these are my peers. And so now, yes, I am looking. Okay. You know, and now I'm seeing that and also through my journey, I just, I just was focused on like, you know, the money and the success is not worth me breaking my word to myself that I made myself 10 years prior, you know, as a 15 year old kid or a 10 year old kid, I wanted to accomplish a certain level of competitive ballroom dancing. I wanted to win this title, this title. And I, w I just wasn't there yet at that time. What titles had you not won that you wanted to before you accepted Dancing with the Stars? Well, I wanted to make the top three in in Blackpool, British, you know, in, in the adult category, on the 35, you okay. know, which is kind of like the, the big, the, the big category. That's like, this is like the Super like Bowl Wimbledon. of Dan Okay, this is yeah. it, this is the main stage. Yeah. And did you get close to that at Yeah, I did, I, I, I was in the top three in my last, Comp, you know, last time competing in Blackpool, yeah. But I was already checked out. And part of that, again, be, this being a, a business podcast and, and finance and all that stuff, you know, I, I turned 25, which was around the time my brother went on the show. I was one of the best couples in the world, you know. And I did not, I wasn't making any money, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I was like, yo, this is dope. But... You know, I'm too old for this passion project. Like, what, what's the difference between a hobby and a profession? It's a paycheck, money. you know? Yeah, yeah and, it's, and it, I, I hate to say it because money isn't the pillar sure. of, of the passion, but the passion got to get compensated, right? I want to buy my mom a gift, you know? I want to, like, because, again, dance for a long time was a vehicle out of the hood, out of, a, you know, a financially challenging situation, the ability to give back, to my parents, you know, I had to be successful regardless of whether it was in dance or music or start my own business or do whatever I have to do. You know, dance just kind of took off and I was like, I love this. Yeah. But at 25, I, I made a decision that I'm like, there's an opportunity for me to be on a stage in front of millions of people and be compensated. And, you know, it's not like, don't get me wrong, the answer with the stars pros are not like, you know, it's raining money on them, especially in those seasons. A bucks no, a year. not yeah. even close. Yeah. Not even close to television sitcom money like like that at all. But relative to the dancer, the average dancer, it's it was really good. Yeah. When you come in top three in one of and what is it called? One more time, the black, the British Open, black British. Pool. It's black in Blackpool, Pool. England. Okay, yeah. so you Blackpool, England, the British Open. You come in top three, which is like the women. You get two hundred and fifty pounds, you which is like four hundred dollars. Yeah, bro, <laughs> That's I, yeah. It? I just spent five thousand dollars on my partner's dress. We as a couple, because because as a couple we're a team, you know. And you get two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, four hundred bucks, two hundred fifty pounds. And still to this day, twenty twenty two, it's probably, still like that. Pro yes, I, I probably say yes. How the entry fee is like forty five pounds or eighty pounds. How do you justify? I mean, like, how does? Well, you build credibility. Okay. It's like internship forever. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the internship you know that doesn't end. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> because you you build you know you get the result now I'm top three in the world and okay. now dance studios around the world invite me to come teach, and so you know I I sacrificed my entire life to be an elite you know to be elite at a craft you know I put in not ten thousand hours I put 
30,000 hours as a dancer not to teach dance, to make a living. You know what I'm right. saying? I love teaching dance. Sure. But I love dancing first, you know? And I, LeBron James didn't pursue basketball to, to coach, one day or, coach basketball. Yeah, or to train. Because when you said LeBron, the first person I was thinking about, I was like Wayne Gretzky, right? Wayne right. Gretzky didn't become the top first person to start like training you know, kids and right. athletes. He became the first to be the best in the world. That, right, right. Gotcha. And, and you could do both. And yeah. I love doing both. Cool. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching. I, I mean, it's such a vehicle for me to, I mean, truly use my gifts in yeah. a way. But, you know, outside of that, I, it, it's hard for somebody to pursue something that doesn't, you know, that then they have to go and work. That's what I'm saying. You, and, and dance lessons are like you're on your feet in dance shoes yeah. for an hour. It's, it's labor. Like that's tough. Yeah, manual labor. Manual really. labor, yeah. You know, it's, it's beautiful labor. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I can't do this for 40 years. That's totally. hard. That's tough. That's tough. So your brother, season one declined. Season two, almost declined, then goes on. Yeah. You go on in 2011, and you already talked about this balancing act of making the decision. Yeah. At any point, did you decline before you made the decision to go in 2011, or the first time they yeah. came to you, did you take no, it? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I th Well, we had conversation. I came out here. Now I'm building relationships with production and people and you know and so there's dialogue and they're like well, so you know when are you going to join us type of conversation i'm like just i need a couple more years you know yeah and so then i made that decision and and it was you know like i said i'm really grateful i, I reached out and i said i would love to be a part if you'd have me i'm ready you yeah. know in a way yeah and did the lebron sit down <laughs> i want to take my talents to hollywood um, <laughs> bring me to la <laughs> all right you decide to do it in 2011 since then we fast forward to 2023 have ever you in this cycle of being on dance with the stars thought about maybe doing something else or going back to your competing days or has there been no looking back since you took this career option? i mean so i had the same perspective like if i don't like it I'm going to be out. You know, I could always mm -hmm. come back. I'm still at an age where I could come back to competing at, at a high level. But yeah, I joined the show and I had so much bravado. I'm like, oh man, I'm on top of my game right now. I'm going to come in and like destroy all of these guys. Like, because, you know, they, they've been dancing on television shows. It's not the same. You know, we, we're training like athletes every day. We're hungry. We're starving. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're not rich. We're not living in sunny California. You know, that's the grind that sometimes you need. You need to go through that. So I came through so ready and I got eliminated second. Oh. I probably should have been eliminated first. Oh. I was terrible. Who was your partner first? Um, her name is Elisabetta Canales. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She was a model, Italian lady. I mean, it wasn't her. It, it was, I mean, I just was a rook, you know? And uh, it was a, it was a great ego check. It, it was so important for me. And, and I'm glad that I had that kind of experience as a competitor and also as a student. I wasn't like too proud to be like, okay, okay, let me just figure this out. And that yeah. first season, I, I danced all the extra dances. I was like, put me in anything, everything, you know? And I watched other pros on the show, Derek, Mark, Max, Tony, you know, everybody on the show. And I took notes, you know, and I'm like, okay, this works. Okay, listen, I got to broaden my range, right? I can't just be an elite ballroom dancer. On this show, I got I to gotta understand what, musical theater is i, I want to i need to understand like what contemporary and hip-hop commercial appeal is you know what is it gonna because i'm also now campaigning for votes yeah. for the first time oh yeah that's you right. know i gotta yeah. i i gotta say the right thing or make sure i don't say the wrong thing but at the same time i gotta be authentic you know and so all of these things now i'm learning there's never like a sit down with a 
My yeah. parents have no experience in this. I don't, you, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm learning through my brother's experience in this. But yeah, yeah for the first time, I'm, I'm competing in a different space and I'm using those same tools that I've done my entire life in this sphere. And, you know, here I am. One of the things I think about when I look at like the career and the professional dancers over the Dancing with the Stars is that yes, my perception, which is probably wrong, yes, you guys have a ton of impact of working on that craft and the choreography and the art behind it. That's huge. But also there's some like uncontrollables. Like I think about who you get partnered with. Oh yeah. Like are they capable to what you can do? How much of it do you think is really controllable by the professional dancer and all the things that you worked on to help your craft? You know, you, it's like a race and some get a bike, some get a horse, some get a, you know, a unicycle, some yeah. get a, a Ferrari. And you're like, damn, we all in the same race? Yeah. You know, so then you gotta put some lights on this horse. You know, you gotta dress it up. And as a yeah. pro, you, you try to, you know, there are many different ways to give yourself a fighting chance. I look at every season, I have that, you know, uh, delusional optimism with any partner. I love You're that. the best partner and I don't want any other partner this season because you're my partner. You know, that's the type of energy I have to all my part partners, <laughs> regardless of whether I'm delusional and they're, you know, and we're getting eliminated fifth or we're going all the way. I, I approach every season and every partnership that way. I think that lesson right there, though, is it doesn't matter what your career is or what you're doing. That word delusional optimism is really important because in a world like today where everyone just complains and whines about their circumstance or their boss or maybe their colleague, you're in that situation. Those yeah. are the cards you're dealt. Once you're dealt those cards, stop complaining right. and have delusional optimism. That is a huge, huge piece of advice. I mean, people some people call it that. faith. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like to call it delusional optimism. I love it. Uh, we yeah. had, I'm almost certain this wasn't the case with you at all, but we had Lindsay Arnold on. She did talk a little nice. bit about how when she was brought on, she was brought on so early that she actually got promoted to head dancer and then she got demoted and yeah. she took like the background yeah. dancer. Has, has anything like that ever happened in your career with Dancing with the Stars where there's been a shift or a potential demotion or a movement that you're like, it's made a big impact on the professional side? I mean, yeah, recently, like, uh, yeah, I joined the show and then I had a couple of seasons, you know, it, back then it was two seasons a year. So there were, you know, my, there was a few seasons that were rough, the first two. Third season, I made the final. You know, fourth season, I made the final. <laughs> then I'm in semi, quarter, then final, one, final, one, one, semi, final. You know, like I was on a run. And then the last four years, I, like this last season was the first time I made the semifinals in five years. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. You know, we went to one season a year, you know, then, yeah, so that was a moment where I had to be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, the, you know, I felt like I had a great run. The show's been really great to me. Yep. And, you know, listen, these are the cars I'm dealt. Let's go. Cool. Then another season, these are the cool. Then it's like a third season. Then, it, then obviously I'm also looking at me and, and, and what I, where I'm dropping the ball. You know, how, much, how can I improve? Maybe I'm, you know, but... You've seen the show. You've yeah. done, you know, you kind of through Kate, Caitlin, you've done the show. Yeah. You can see that, you know, who's going where. You can kind of feel it. Usually when the cards are dealt, I feel like after yeah. one week, per, you have a yeah. pretty you, good you're idea. You're like, oh, okay. We, yeah. Cool. Um, 
And it just, those, those, you know, I just kept getting four sevens, <laughs> four seven, four seven, you know, but I'm like, all right, we could make a straight out of this, Sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I didn't for four years. And so this last season, man, in those four years was a lot of growth. Did I take a step back? Did, did they demote me? No, but in my life were, were a lot of demotions in my life that, you know, maybe didn't reveal themselves, you know, in public, but personal troubles, you know, other business challenges. Yeah. We have 14 dance studios during the pandemic. We were looking at just like every other brick and mortar business owner. Like we're looking at 20 years of life of my father's effort of hundreds of people that worked for this company my friends who have poured their you know life into this company yeah you know it potentially can can go away yeah so the pandemic was a huge personal challenge and that was kind of like in the middle of a lot of growth that i did in my life and so now having the season that i just had with gabby my appreciate like you know chills because now my ability to appreciate my craft my ability to appreciate my opportunity this job my other opportunities this podcast everything i do now has a, a very post-covid kind of very different perspective on it mm. like i'm i'm grateful that i'm healthy enough to still perform on the level that i'm performing so yeah do you i think one of the challenges you just faced that you talked about for four years is like being dealt a tough card a tough hand People at work, I think, that are listening to this, they get dealt those tough hands. And mm -hmm. there's subjectivity that goes into their success, mm -hmm. not objective output. Mm -hmm. And then they have to do a couple things like you did. You have to kind of self-reflect. You have to adjust. You have to make changes. But one of the things you have to do, in my opinion, is I think you have to actually vocalize, hey, boss, I don't think you're giving me a fair shot. You're not sending me to the right deals. You're not right. interested. What can you help me out? Right. Did you have to do anything like that where you had to go have conversations with people to say, is there something I could do better? What, like, was there anything that you did through that that you could give people advice back home to do if they feel like they're stuck like you felt you were for four years? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, there, there's a difference between like complaining or being bitter and just having a conversation, <laughs> just having transparency with somebody that you love working with for a long time, you know, the, the, whether he's your boss or your peer or whatever, you, you, you have been both collaborating in, in the same space mm -hmm. for a while. Have a conversation and say, I feel like, you know, my approach was this, wasn't you're not giving me this, you're not giving me that. My approach was like, yo, let me, you, you're giving me so many things, you know, you, you bring me on the show, you compensate me really well. Pull me in. You know, let me let me let me serve this project. I feel like I could do more for this company, for this project, for this you know show, for whatever. And I just want to do that. That's it. I, I think I can't. You know, and I can't do it if you don't kind of allow me the space or the opportunity to do so. I I I would love for you to meet me in the middle somehow. And do you think like that type of delivery and commentary definitely helped out? I I think so. That's you awesome. know because it, because there's also a track record. Like I I don't have those conversations. Yeah. Unless I feel it right. genuinely and and then we do and they've always met me in the middle and then I feel a very strong responsibility to deliver. And now they have somebody that will Look at me. You know what I'm saying? A year ago, I was kind of, I was heartbroken with, with my experience on the show. Not because of the show, but just my experience. It's been a long time since I felt, like I said, the success that I felt this season. Yeah. You know, and then a year later, I 
I, I couldn't champion the show more. Interesting. You know, and all that is was a conversation that that we had, and it wasn't a complaint. It, was, it wasn't anything. It was just people coming together and saying, like, how can I be better for this this project? Because I want to be. You know, that's pretty, I think stepping into conflict too, right? Like you felt because there's there's articles out there, whether it's true or not, that like a year ago or whatever, you were thinking about leaving the show, and just whatever that is, true or false. I think the idea here is step into conflict, like talk about these things yeah. that you're back there, because look at the change in 12 months. Biggest yeah. champion, you're not leaving the show. You crushed no. it. You're back yeah. at it. Well, yeah, and also it's like that's a headline that has this kind of negative connotation. Sometimes, you know, the show has nothing to do with how I feel. You know, that's the other thing. It's like we're point. very quick. You know, we're dealt certain cars, and then we're very quick to point fingers and find like, wh- why? Why did I get these cars? Because of this person. Yeah, it's nobody's fault. You yeah. know, but but I'm I'm allowed to be disappointed with my situation without right. having to like pinpoint exactly who's responsible. Maybe it's just the situation. I just got to grind it out. Yep. I love that. All right. Negotiation tips. You start with the show 2011, 2022, mm-hmm. your value increases with the show. There's more eyes on the show. What strategies do you negotiate or do you go through to negotiate for yourself to be compensated better? I look at obviously like I, I look at the market value. You know, like I'm a big fan of sports. Yeah. You know, I see salaries rise and I'm like, damn, it's not like, they, they, <laughs> like they, they're hitting the ball harder. The truth is that just more people are watching them hit the ball. Yep. You know, and, and, and so like it's a per eyeball basis, so to speak, you yeah. know. Then I also obviously look at the value that I bring and, and what I want to bring. I know what I bring. Besides what you see on TV, I know what kind of peer and teammate I am, regardless of what project if you and i go into a podcast together i, yep. I know that i want to you know you'll get my undivided Attention. commitment yeah and for that i would love i would feel happy with that i wouldn't yeah. even think about it for xyz you know but it's really like i try not to you know how much you see oh okay i want that do you talk to the other dancers about what you guys make i don't you know i don't yeah. You know, I, I, like I said, because we, we, I grew up in a, in a business environment with the dance studios, I kind of have certain ethical boundaries in terms of conversation, like even with the show, like I, I have really dear relationships with a lot of people who are in a position of authority over me. Yeah. I try to keep a very professional distance, <laughs> you yeah, know, I, 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 I don't it. abuse that, yeah. that love. You yeah. know, to, to the, I, I know how to divide and what, and I think that also goes a long way. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I, I forgot what the question was. It was about the, just like <laughs> establishing your new, oh, yeah, you know, I just like, I'm not delusional, you know, yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to, everything that I do, I'm not, I'm not someone's employee and I'm never somebody's boss. Yep. You know, I'm, we are two people on a team that have two different roles. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think that's, I think the idea of understanding your value and making sure that you're expressing it the right way with your employer, whoever it is professionally, right, is huge. You got to be an advocate for yourself. And also you got to prove yourself first. Yes. With all due respect, you know, for free. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Oh, interesting. Or for less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you have, cool. You know, like we have a project right now with my brother that we're kind of developing and, you know, budgets and all of that, it's important to think about. You know, but I'm more interested in, in having equity in and in the future of this project rather than being compensated for like, an, you know, right now. And, you know, it's a conversation. 
Why is that? Why would you like equity over compensation? I agree with that strategy, but because it has more longevity and yeah. it becomes a passive income, you know, rather than like my labor is what my labor costs and I want to get compensated for that. And that's it. Like Sometimes it. It, it just depends on the scenario. It also depends on the project. If I believe in the future of the project, I'm willing to work for free. I like that. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is in people's workplace, they'll be competitors that will try and recruit them over. There are other shows out there. Like, so you think you can dance. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different competitive dancing shows. Have you ever thought about taking a career shift into like a different show? I mean, I think, therefore I am, you know, yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I think yeah. all the time, the thought, uh, yeah. but not, I've never even been close to wanting to, you know, it's like, I'm still enjoying the NBA. I wouldn't want to, you know, go to the new league or, yeah, <laughs> or the European league or, or the European league, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. it's very competitive and, you know, living in Barcelona is probably very sexy, Yeah, you know? <laughs> but I'm, you know, I, I love where I'm at. And as long as I can continue to serve the project at the highest level, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'd love to be a part of the show. Very cool. I'm a big numbers guy. I'm fast. But, but that's the, but the other thing is that, you know, and you, and you said these other shows, like, so you think you can dance competitive shows. They're not, I don't look at them as competitive shows. Okay. You know, the same way I don't look at myself as, you know, just a dancer on Dancing with the Stars. You know, I answer to the space of dance, you know, and, and Dancing with the Stars is a big part of that. But my studios are a big part of that. So you think you could dance is a, is a big part of that as well, as far as fostering a lot of new talent, a lot of which ended up on Dancing with the Stars. Artem, Alan, Jenna Johnson, my wife. Lindsay Arnold, they all started from So You Think You Could Dance. Mm -hmm. I think things can coexist, you know? The yeah. more companies, the better. The more shows, the better. That's a good point. You know, it, a lot of times people think that dancers on the show have rivalries or animosity. You know, I want to see Derek succeed. I want to see, not just because we're friends, but because as an incredible artist and, and someone that came from this project and is a ballroom dancer and identifies as someone from our field. I want to see him succeed because if he succeeds, then the world is looking at, oh, okay, I'm interested in that. You if know? He, yeah, he succeeds, the art of dance and the profession succeeds, of dance. Right. So you think you can dance succeeds. Right. It's not a competition. It's good for the it's, athleticism right. and the art and the beauty of dance. Okay, exactly. I think that's a really good perspective. One thing I wanted to ask about is I'm a big like ratings guy. I love <laughs> bachelors and whatever. I'll always go in like, what are the ratings? What are the ratings? I was blown away at the fact that they went Disney Plus only this season. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking just because of the demographic, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a higher age demographic that watches Dancing with the Stars. I think I read it was like 55% or no, 65% of people over 55 watch Dancing with the Stars. But the percentage of that group that's actually subscribed to Disney Plus is like less than 20%. For anybody listening, I will definitely fact check this because <laughs> I have the stat at home and I'll put it in the recap. That said, did you have any thoughts on Disney Plus only? And do you know anything about like if it worked or didn't work? Or oh, anything? I, I, you know, it's all hearsay. I didn't have direct conversation with whoever is in charge at Disney Plus. Yeah. But yeah, I think we paid off on their investment. I think it worked. It, it worked. Yeah, it worked. I That's what I had heard. Yeah, we, I'd heard we I, and I think it worked beyond even expectation. I think we've not just doubled expectation. I think it was like, really good that's what i had heard that the disney plus move ended up exceeding every expectation yeah. that was put in place yeah interesting did that impact social media obviously since you get on the show changes a lot and it helped 
your career. I'm sure it's helped monetization. Yeah. Clearly, it helps your influence, and it impacts your overall position in the art of dance. Did social media, like following it all, change this season being on dancing on Disney Plus only as opposed to network TV, or did you not see much change? I didn't feel it on okay. social social media. Gotcha. No, it, the, what I felt was. I mean, it's all in the same family, so it's, <laughs> nothing's going to be taken. But we went from ABC to Disney. It's, sure. You know, it's all Disney. But I, I definitely felt more relative, you know, like we had billboards again. You know, I haven't seen a Dancing with the Stars billboard in this town, like, for 10 years. Interesting. There was a billboard, a few. You know, the marketing kind of budget you you could feel expanded the quality every you know there That's was more cool. effort in, in pushing the show and it it really i mean there was a few small changes this season that paid huge dividends and and created huge ripple effects throughout the show which i think translated in the lens and therefore translated in the numbers big numbers guy so i started the podcast a number i've never heard about dancing oh. with the stars no you already said it i'm not coming at you too hard here i know i know there's contractual things you can't talk about so i don't i won't push in those directions but you had said budget five hundred thousand for the performance i've never heard that you said earlier this yeah year. is yeah, that yeah. how much you're telling me for it's, one of your dances five hundred thousand? absolute r ridiculous estimate i have no okay. idea okay yeah okay, it might gotcha. be a hundred thousand might be okay. but even a hundred thousand i i don't think like like you'd be surprised, you know, confetti, just the action of that confetti, like the, you know, sometimes you dance the pasta, they have the fire yeah. things. So yeah. they even the CO2s, they call them. Like that could be 10 grand. And they got to block that the day before. And they got to, you know, do it a couple of times. So I, I yeah, That's I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think I'm that far off when you think about everything that goes into just one performance. We also, Caitlin and I watching, said we thought the production value this season was greater than it's been in quite some time. As a pro, did you feel that too? I felt like it, but to be fair, you know, Caitlin did it in 2020, which is really unfortunate because it was a COVID season and, and it was very limited. The fact that it was even happening was a huge accomplishment. Out of context, you know, like that's important to mention. There was no crowd in the in the room, which is a huge reason why you probably felt like, wow, this production feels so much bigger. Well, yeah. there was three hundred people in the room. Yeah, you know that makes a difference. I think. Yeah. And then there was no commercials, which was a huge obstacle for the hands, the stage management. You know, so they they're the real <laughs> their you know their effort was crazy this season. Because usually the commercials allows the production to breathe for a second, regroup. Here they had to be really creative. But it kept the, the show flow. I mean, I thought that this season was one of the best seasons out of the 18 seasons that I've been on the show. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely incredible to watch from afar. I mean, absolutely impressive. When you look at Dance with the Stars, all your business ventures, like Dance with Me Studios, social media, which of those in an annual basis is like creating the biggest business opportunity for Val when it comes to dollars? They all are part of this little little universe that I have, you know, and they all complement each other. Mm -hmm. You know, my presence on Dancing with the Stars isn't the nucleus of the Dance with Me studio business, but it's a huge marketing opportunity. It's a huge branding, you know, push and, and credibility that I bring to the studios by being on Dancing with the Stars yeah. currently, consistently. You know, it's still a big deal. 
but those studios provide an opportunity to host events and and have incredible growth potential and, and the opportunity to potentially franchise and and expand and and grow and then yeah i mean all, all of these are vehicles that complement one another i try not right. to you know i try to have several streams of so that yeah, yeah. do you have it is not because you are an entrepreneur and you have all these other moving parts do you have any other businesses that you're working on or forecasting down the road to generate another stream i well i have a dance app that i'm a partner in dance and co which is online dance lessons as well so during cool. covid we kind of you know all pivoted and and got excited about that platform so it's an app which is awesome we have over 200 plus classes cool but yeah, I I like to develop live performances and live experiences. And and I guess I'm looking forward towards expanding that into an experience that includes, you know, potentially food and liquor and and, an, and more of an immersive kind of project cool. that lives with me and that lives without me. And, you know, I, I like to develop in that space. Very cool. That could be awesome. When you do fundraising for that, you let us know. We'll put okay. it out there. See if there's any investors out there. All right, we got to wrap up. We got to get your trading secret, Val. It's, it's amazing kind oh, of boy. where you've gone and where you've come from. The trading secrets, actually, you get to pick. You don't even get drilled. So it's got to be a trading secret. Someone can uh -huh. learn from you about money management. It could be career navigation. It could be just like life inspiration, something that they can't get anywhere but hear it directly from Val and your experiences. So the Money Mafia, they love the trading secret. It's what you leave us with. What type of trading secret could you give our listeners? I mean, in 2022, with the amount of trading secrets that that is out there that is a that's <laughs> it's a tough, that's a tough, a tough, ask. tough ask yeah <laughs> it's crazy you know this environment it's it challenges your confidence and challenges you know your belief in yourself you know like sitting here i i don't feel conf you know super comfortable with offering you know these you know and claiming it as the secret that that you can only get from me you know my, my secret is I don't take I don't take things personally, especially in the business space. You know, especially in, when it comes to to money. I know it's hard because a lot of times you build relationships and effort is being exhausted. You're really sacrificing your life for some of these partnerships and some of these ventures. But you know, soak in it for a minute and then keep it moving. I like that. Keep it moving. My chairs, just so you guys know, before we started, I have a trading secret from Vale that I took, <laughs> and we you had talked a little bit about just the relationship management of your partner and that like it's like an arranged marriage <laughs> and that you guys are like you had discussions like therapy like almost like it was therapy where you said hey these are things that are like lines in the sand for me don't do this don't do this don't do this please do this i'll do this you tell me your feelings yeah and as a result of that it builds chemistry connection that allows you two to work better mm -hmm. i think people should back home listening to this should think about do you have those conversations with like your boss, your colleagues, even in your relationship? Because I think when you are in a position where you're in your business partners, if you're not having those conversations, it's going to impact everything. It's going to impact mm -hmm. the perception of people. It's going to impact your performance. It's going to impact how you move as a team. And just hearing the fact that you do that every single season with your partner, that's my training secret. Like it doesn't matter relationship, business partner, colleague, boss, you have to have those type of in-depth conversations with these people so that you could be the best team. Yeah. That's my training secret. For Thanks, Val. man. <laughs> and, and, and 
you know, maybe that's it. You have a better perspective, you know, <laughs> yeah. of, you know kind of s- seeing it from the side. But really, yeah, that is the secret. You know, I, I don't know any secrets, but I will give you my undivided, unconditional, you know, effort and time. You are my priority. And I literally say that to them, okay. you know, and all I want is you to reciprocate that. Mm-hmm. That's it for three months. And then you can do whatever you want <laughs> and I'll do it. And, you know, we can maintain our friendship, whatever, but we'll reconvene then. Yeah. Let's do this, you while know, because you have potential and I, you know, we can do this. While we're here, let's go all Yeah, in. Let's I, be the best team. I, th- and that's why I love teaching. I love preaching. You know, I love camaraderie. I love working together. I love collaborating. I love giving people credit. You yeah. know, in this town, especially, it's like such a big deal to credit somebody. It's like this controversy. Like, I don't see why I can't credit everybody because sharing is the wealth. You know, the ability, I, I want to make a lot of money, not because I want to have a lot of money, but because I want to be able to share a lot of money with people and with, you know, causes and, and, and things like that, you know? That's, so That's another one. Sharing is the wealth. You said you didn't have a trading secret. We just pulled four or five out. <laughs> All right, Val. Dance With Me Studios, your app, your social media, everything you have going on. People want to learn more about it. Where can they find that stuff? Valentine at Instagram.com. All right. That's not Instagram, no. On Instagram, <laughs> that was such a like Instagram. boomer thing. <laughs> like, what was that? It's w- like the Facebook. Oh my god! <laughs> Damn, that's me. But yeah, Valentine on Instagram. Why the hell does the dancing pro with eighteen million trophies not have a TikTok? I do, I do. Valor Valentine. Oh, it's, it's not val- the same. You don't have the same handle. No, I never ah, took care of that. Interesting. Yeah, and that's why when you kept saying social media business i'm like i'm the worst on social media i have i'm still living in like 2012 where this was like a a journal well we talk about it often on this show social media and the monetization so i'm going to challenge you please get more active because you can make a whole lot of damn money Teach let's me. go and then we'll bring some deals to you how about that <laughs> perfect Val, thank you so much for being on this episode of trading secrets thank you brother Ding, we are closing in the bell to the Val Schmerkowski episode. What a legend in the world of Dancing with the Stars. His track record, both professionally and from the entertainment perspective, and as a Dancing with the Stars pro, is absolutely legendary. If there ever is a Hall of Fame of Dancing with the Stars, we all know Val will be in it. Here we have the curious Canadian to do the recap with me. Let me know what he's thinking, where his head's going, and I think we have a lot to cover here. So, David, thanks for coming on for the recap as per usual take it away what are you thinking brother i'm just shocked that you went round two on his last name that's uh very rare of you to take a stab at a last name that uh, you may have struggled with uh, originally so congrats i'm proud of you look at you grow up right before our eyes well that's interesting i don't know if i've grown up because i'm still debating whether i'm gonna re-record the intro or not so <laughs> if you guys are still here with us and you have listened to the intro uh and i said his name right that means i re-recorded it if you heard the part where i screwed up i screwed up his last name so one of the two will be played haven't made the decision yet i love it i love it no that was great i mean what uh i'm sure from your perspective and the intimidating presence i mean he's like the hottest guy ever and he's got uh you know such a calm nature to his voice and it was a really really interesting episode that i thought i love the whole dance world the dance era i grew up around dance my sister was in dance one thing i'll say and i think he kind of made it very clear and i think you'll agree with this can you think of a of a bigger grind of a career or a sport than the world of dance like the uh, to to 
the upbringing and the notoriety and it's a very expensive sport and like you know the competitions that he does just out of respect for the dance community and and where he's at it just seems like the ultimate like you have to be all in fully dedicated to be a dancer oh my god i mean such a grind and like he said in that world when you look at professional dancers there are so many of them and they're all so good committing the entirety of their life to it right think about people like think about what you guys do at home whatever your job is how many years have you committed to that right dale has committed literally since the day he could walk until now to this career so i I mean i'm totally with you and it's a tough place it's a tough world to make it man it's a tough world to make it tough world to make it he's got a couple of those mirrorball trophies under his belt um you can tell how grateful he is for the show um, but how he realizes that the show is just a vehicle for him. Um, you know, he clearly doesn't make life-changing money off the show, but it's vaulted him for the opportunity to kind of build a brand around himself. He made a little comment there about the Mirrorball trophy. I know you probably have one sitting in your house there. Do you, do you know how much that thing costs? I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I can't give you exact facts, but I heard some rumblings. It is in that $10,000 range. And I'll tell you this, man, just the case they give you, just the case they give you to travel. I've seen that with Kevin. That's got to be 500 bucks. I mean, <laughs> this thing is so intense, this travel case. So, yeah, I'm thinking that 10K mark is, is, is probably right around on par. We might have to take it to a pawn shop or something because I tried to... That would be I tried interesting. To, I tried to fact, uh, fact check your, your, your numbers there, and I, yeah. I spent a good 15 minutes on the old Google machine. Uh, trying to find out the cost, and I couldn't find the cost for more than like fifty bucks for that trophy. Let so, me ask you this, Caitlin. Yes. Caitlin puts it on auction, uh-huh. uh, and the winner gets it, and the money goes to charity. I'm not saying mm. she's doing this, but if she does, you don't think that thing goes for over ten thousand? Well, so here's the discrepancy that I want to talk about. I did my own research on top of the research for this to see other trophies and sports okay. to see what the cost is, but the cost and the value don't always add up. So I think that makes sense. I think the cost of the mirror ball, let's say it was $50 and Caitlin did that. I think that it would go for $15,000. I'll give you an example. Mm. The Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, they make it brand new every year. $50,000. Do you know who makes it? Who makes it? Tiffany. Tiffany and Co. makes the Super Bowl, the NBA trophy, and the World Series trophy. What curious Canadian drop? Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, so Tiffany and Co. makes all those, but the Super Bowl costs $50,000, but they say the value is only $10,000. Whereas the Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup's value is the highest out of all the major sports. Obviously, there's only one of it, so it doesn't get recreated every year. So, so the sentimental value. Do you have any idea what Stanley Cup is worth or no? Like if they you're the say, ballpark? Yes. They say the value of it is $23,000. I don't know, man. I think that if you take the Lombardi I think it's trophy. Way more. Suppose, well, just suppose the Bills win the Super mm-hmm. Bowl and there's only one trophy they get and you put that out for auction. There's no way that thing goes for less than 250k. Like I crazy com- super fans, no I way. I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. So that was just that was Dude, their rings are worth well over 10k. I know. Now. All right. All right. We'll go down a rabbit hole, but that's really (laughs) cool information. So it'll be interesting. We'll have to take this to a pawn shop. Maybe we'll do a little uh, recap on the old Instagram trading secrets podcast next time you're in town, David, and we'll just rip through this trophy and get, get our take the weight, the feel, the look. Maybe we do like a gold tester or diamond tester Mm. with those like little diamond things. We're onto something. I like it. I like it. 
uh, to end that, the uh, World Cup trophy, $200 million in value. That thing's solid 18-karat gold. What? Yeah, $200 million. And also, look again, look at the scale, right? One team yeah. in the entire planet wins it with the biggest sport in the world. Okay. And, it's, and it's only one of it. All right, another fact check for you that I got to bring. Uh, you mm-hmm. talked about the demographic numbers from the Dancing with the Stars crowd transferring over to Disney+. Plus. I also thought it was a risky move. I did, however, watch it on Disney+, Plus from the comfort of my bedroom. So I'm, I'm curious to hear if you have fact check numbers on that, which I'm sure you do because you're just the fact check king here. Oh, we got we got numbers on this. Okay, what do you think their viewing their median viewing demographic age is? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say forty on that. Sixty three and a half. What? And this is all according to TechCrunch. So their median viewer audience uh, was sixty three and a half before they went over to Dancing with the Stars. The big concern over with to that, Disney Plus over to Disney Plus with yeah. live Dancing with the Stars. the The big concern with that is that only nine percent of all Disney Plus subscribers are fifty five years and older. So there was wow. a huge, huge question about um, just just the whole idea: Can you convert these people? Twenty three percent of Disney Plus subscribers are 18 to 34. Okay. But I think that was big, big part of the equation of bringing D'Amelio in because they could mm-hmm. bring a, 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 a younger audience. Yeah. I've talked to some of the cast of Dancing with the Stars and they had told me that from executives at the top that the, the expectations, that's all I know, the expectations ex- were exceeded for Disney+. Plus. We don't right. know numbers or anything, but we know that you know, that's the case. So I think that's pretty interesting. And then this is interesting. Like we know what, you know, bachelor ratings look like as far as viewership. Like they're, you know, they get about 2 million people or so per episode watching. What do you think Dancing with the Stars gets? It's a good question. I always look at The Bachelor as the best performing show on ABC. So I could be wrong about this. So I'm going to say that Dancing with the Stars are about 1.6 million. Dancing with the Stars finale with Danny and Amat. Where's the number here? 5.4 million, okay. according yeah. to the U.S. Sun. 5.4 wow. million. So this show gets a lot. And you talk about, you know, obviously budgets and all that stuff. You could see why there's more dollars allocated to this show uh, as opposed to other shows where ratings are less. I, I, I'm i always just like a binge. Like, I think the binge watching crowd, too, when things are on streaming platforms, I think people are just more uh, willing to go binge a show, too, because it's in that format. Whereas in, when it's a regular, even though you can DVR and, uh, you know, even though The Bachelor's on Hulu and things like that, I just feel like when things are only on a streaming platform, you just wait for them to come out so you can binge them all. Yeah, I think that's important. The other thing I read in the Wall Street was last week, I believe, like Friday or Thursday, Disney Plus increased uh, the price point $3 per month. And 94% of the people that are subscribers absorbed it. That's wow. huge number. So wow. people are okay with the fact that they're increasing, you know, you know, do the math, right? Three times 12, $36 per year. So that's a loyal subscribing base too. It's risky business for the risky old cable, cable networks when you got people who are going to subscribe to these streaming services because one of their staple cable television shows are moving over when your staples move over what's left for the cable live sports i don't know but live sports i don't watch on cable anymore i watch it in the apps ESPN yeah but you like you're always on, Hulu, i know paramount on the delay though and then you have people like me ruining the game for you did you see that touchdown that is true there is a little bit of a delay all right david what else do you got on the veil episode i got no a really interesting take that i think that 
you always bring up is in terms of talking to your coworkers about what you get paid and try and get, you know, that knowledge is power type of thing. He was very clear that he he said he keeps a professional distance between those of authority on the show in terms of his relationship with that. Um, did you find that surprising that he doesn't talk to his coworkers about how much they make since he's been on the show for so long? Given his personality, I don't find that surprising. Yeah. Um, but given the nature of the show, I have a pretty good idea that that group is really close and they mm -hmm. do talk about this stuff. And yeah. I think from rumblings I've heard, a lot of it's based on seniority, how long you've been with the show. What yeah, you're that makes sense. And then uh, another thing he talked about too, he used baseball as an example. He said it's not that the players are hitting the ball harder, it's that more people, more eyeballs are on it and that's what drives the salaries. Do you really... Do you think that you know per eyeball basis is a is a good way to test your market value? Or if you're a a new company or a startup company and you're listening at home, you know is is eyeballs on your product, eyeballs on your idea, eyeballs on your brand the most important thing or one of the most important things? It's the name of the game, right? Yeah. You could be the most irrelevant actual pro, but if you're relevant because your likability and your marketing, you'll make so much so much money. That's why we had Rob Gronkowski on the podcast. He's the ultimate unicorn, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Famer when it comes to marketing and personality. So I bet he's making more money now just off marketing deals than he ever did in the league. It's also too like how many people have you met that have the greatest idea? that yep. just never come to fruition because they say, I don't know how to start a business. I don't know, I don't know how to get my, you know, my product out there. So execute, execute, execute. Got to get it out there. Last question I got for you. Let's You're a pretty dedicated it. guy. You, yeah. If you put your mind to it, you can really do anything. Yep. Would you go on Dancing with the Stars and how far do you actually think that you could make it? I would go, but I would want like if I'm if like the idea situations, you get a three to six month heads up the whole mm -hmm. time I'd be preparing, trying to learn. Uh, I think like the one thing I tell Caitlin is soccer players, like a lot of soccer players, especially forwards, you have to have rhythm. Like you have to be able to do step overs and, mm -hmm. and, and cut quickly and turn inside, outside, use left and right foot. So I feel like I'd have that ability, but I don't know, man. It's I will say this: like Caitlin would practice with me, and I'm like, this is so fucking hard. Oh. Like the way you have to look, the way you have to move your hand, the way you have to use your feet. Like it is, it is so athletic. And I think it's one of these things. You really, it's almost like learning a second language. Like the earlier you know it, the better off you are, and the most likely it will stick. So that'll be interesting. But what we'll do, guys, is next week we have for the hundredth episode the one and only Caitlin Bristow coming on. And what I can promise you, David, in the recap, because I don't know if we address it i'll have to go back because we recorded about a month or two ago but mm -hmm. if we don't address it we'll hit it in the recap what you can make on dancing with the stars yes. as a pro at least the information that we hear that's out there all right david anything else before we close up i got nothing great episode can't wait for the hundredth can't believe we're we're, we're there hundred we're baby. at a hundred we will recognize that in the recap next week make sure that you are hitting that subscribe button please it really helps us out follow us on trading secrets podcast instagram we have a newsletter that goes out every monday we are on youtube trading secrets podcast and we have a business networking group all access and we have an event coming up march 27th we have and it's free for anyone that wants to come just shoot me an email just shoot me an email so what it is is it's trading secrets at jason Tartic.com, and we are going to have this guy comes in that owns a whiskey brand and is a cocktail artist. He's going to teach us how to make the cocktails, and then we're going to network amongst each other, business and booze. So, thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. One, hopefully, you couldn't afford to miss.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.